Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Rewind, the podcast that rewatches, reviews, and responds to every movie, show, and one-shot in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm Al Rodriguez. I'm Tony Camarena. And I'm Alicia Thayer. And today we are uh, reviewing uh, Agent Carter Season 1, Episode 2, Bridge and Tunnel, which originally premiered on January 6, 2015, right after Episode 1. In this episode, Howard Stark's deadliest weapon has fallen into enemy hands, and the only and only Agent Carter can recover it. How can she do so before a, her undercover mission is discovered by the SSR Chief Dooley and Agent Thompson? Bum, bum, dun, dun, bum. Um, now, if this is Stark's deadliest weapon, which we know from watching this episode is very deadly, Ooh, where do they go deadly. from here? You'd think the next weapon would be deadlier and progressively deadlier. But this, according to the IMD sub- summary, this is the deadliest weapon. So I'm going to go with this really isn't, and this is just IMDb being like, yeah, the deadliest weapon. But I'm going with... In the last with... episode, he said it was only, it was one of his bigger baddies. Yes. Not the uh, biggest baddie. That's true. Um, Or it just could be really easy for her after this episode. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. I was like, have you have you met TV shows? No, I've never met a TV show. Okay. I did not know they were people you can meet. I've seen them from afar. Mm. Okay. <laughs> or not up close. You've never... No, no. Um, the TV is very far away from where I sit. No, you need binoculars. Yep. Okay. Alright. <laughs> well, we start off this episode with Captain America's Adventure Program! Uh, which... which is a radio show. That's so silly. Starring Captain America and Bridget Carver, not Agent Carter at all. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. Not gonna lie. Um, I thought it was like it was stupidly charming. Um, on iTunes right now, you can get the old Superman um radio shows that they did in the thirties, and I listened to one just because I was curious, and it was almost exactly like this. Where's Superman and Lois Lane? Uh, okay. The, <laughs> I don't the mind the like, radio show thing because my grandfather likes to listen to some. And so I have listened to, I, I don't remember what it's called right now, but it has this theme song that goes, bum, 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 bum. Oh, um, no, I, I recognize it, but it's yeah, like, but... they had a TV show of it too. Oh, yeah. But anyway, so many nights I have heard that go off when I lived with him. It was just, oh, I was so sick of it. But anyway, I don't mind radio shows. But the problem is, is most radio shows aren't about actual people. And this one is. And just knowing what we know about Agent Carter and Steve Rogers and all that. And I'm just like, you. why would you? Why? 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 Why would you screw with Peggy's character and all that? No. So, it's, that, I, I'm with Peggy. I'm I'm annoyed by it. That does make an interesting point where, yeah, Superman and Captain America and whichever cop show your grandfather watches, they're all fictional characters where this is an actual historical person. Right. Yeah. And so they're making up <laughs> stuff about an actual historical person, which is... Why not just tell the real tales? I mean, you could still do it like a radio show, but why not tell the real stories? There's got to be somebody from the army that actually knows, like, one of the units. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know. The, his team that came back would know. Yeah, the commando. I've 
bet the reason they use Bridget Carver is because like they I could imagine them asking for Peggy Carter's like the rights to her name and her saying no she would not mm-hmm. release that but America the US government who probably owns the right to Captain America would definitely want to propagandize that well this also isn't the first time we've seen them do that right even during the first Captain America movie um we saw like comic books right i mean it was it was basically the 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 cover of the actual number 1 captain america mm-hmm. comic book where he's punching out hitler but like that was actually done in this in this universe right so in there they have comic books of captain america and potentially yeah. other characters but and right, movies but that was wasn't that oh, yeah. still kind of being made back when he was on stage anyway no the um the last scene before they go to modern times in the first Avenger was a kid reading the comic, like after Cap's dead, when they had that montage of Peggy looking sad and the kid had the Cap America shield and then they were buying Cap America comics still. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they're still making money off of this. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, so I've got some stuff about the actors. Um, the narrator of the Captain America Adventure Program is um, a guy named Ralph Garman, who uh, is the voice of Mojo in Avengers Assemble, but also he has a podcast, uh, a podcast with Kevin Smith called Hollywood Babylon. So if you're real into podcasting, and we know you are, you can listen to this guy uh, talk just movie news and stuff with Kevin Smith, the director of Clerks and jay and bob strike back and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah and then we've got um the guy who plays captain america is walker walker like walker texas ranger roach and this is only credit like ever no more voice stuff or anything hmm. and then well, we've got did he uh, did, did he that? just like walk on set that day and yeah and they just put a mic in front of him and said hey go. well he he had just stepped on an insect so it was like what's your name uh it's it's uh walker walker he looks at his foot roach yeah <laughs> and they just like all right go be captain america and then um bridget carver is uh played by aaron torpy who plays the invisible woman in uh, Avengers Earth Minus Heroes, the best Avengers cartoon, compared to mm-hmm. Avengers Assemble, which is the worst Avengers cartoon. <laughs> so yeah, so we get um another superhero in this, which was the invisible woman, apparently. She um, was? She was the invisible woman, I just said that, in Earth Mightiest Heroes, the like Avengers cartoon. Uh, okay, I was like, yeah. I don't know. I never watched the '90s um, Fantastic Four. Could you? Can you find that anywhere? Uh, <laughs> they never released let's it. Find out. I, Fantastic it, Four '90s. Yeah, 1994. Like all Fantastic Four movies, it was a cinematic masterpiece. So you know. Uh, yes, it is on YouTube. <gasps> oh, I know what I'm watching after this. Oh, Probably Ant Man and the Wasp. But then, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's on YouTube. Oh, maybe not. It's on something else, but I'll send you the link. But <laughs> sweet. Basically, it's on the internet somewhere. Okay. L- listeners, look for that review never. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, I'm glad. Um. We find out that uh, Angie, the waitress at Peggy's favorite diner, wanted to, wants to be the new Bridget Carver, or 
Captain America love interest. <laughs> um, oh, we it find is on out. YouTube too. Oh, sweet. I found it. Yay. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, we find that out when Peggy is looking for a new place to live because her name apparently was not on the lease. And we find out that realty does not change in the past 70 years because they're still trying to, you know, hype stuff up as like, oh, it's quaint, which means it's small. Or it's good, it's a good transportation, which means you're under the train. <laughs> And then um, Peggy finds out that Stark is, like, trying to lend her a sex house. Gross. <laughs> Hopefully so he's not going to forget and try to use it while she's there. I doubt it since he's that on would the be run. Awkward. Yeah, but he's made worse decisions, probably. Mm -hmm. um, the I feel like to get there, she would have to. he would have to have Jarvis drive him there, and Jarvis would remind him. So it's okay. Mm, good point. Yeah, um, she points out that it's suspicious that when people are secretly looking for him, but then she's tempted and she lays on that bed, that potentially sticky bed that I would not lay on at all, ever. <laughs> the only thing that saves me is I I imagine because Jarvis is a wonderful butler that he has changed the sheets and the bedspread and everything. But it does not change the nope nope nothing the things about that. that happened in that room. Nope 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 <laughs> nope nope. nope, nope. And uh, uh, they talk about a little bit that uh, both guys who she talked to had no vocal cords, which uh, makes me realize that's a great way to, you know, hide your accent if you're trying to hide where you're from. It's a terrible and brutal way, but it's also great because it's really effective. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about that either. I was kind of wondering, like, why would they do that? Because um, I don't know if they, like, give a, a better reason later on in the series because I totally forgot. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's a that's actually a really good point. Yeah, because we don't know if they're um, German or they're Austrian or they're Russian or they're any type of white country. But we know they're in a white country <laughs> um, or from a white country. And then we find uh, a convenient wardrobe of sexy dresses or sexy disguises, which is great for a spy. Also, Peggy, I would not touch that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm sure she asked Jarvis to to clean it a few times, maybe. Oh, uh, I hope so. Bleach or just go buy a new one. <laughs> so to wear this um, this scientist jacket, this lab coat. First, Jarvis, I need you to burn it and then buy me a new one. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, are you two as ready as I am to get away from Stark Sex House? Yes. Please. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I would walk briskly away. Yeah. I wouldn't run, but I would No, because he'll chase you. <laughs> oh, no, no. no, no. <laughs> His vision is based on movement, so be very careful. <laughs> <laughs> um, we get a little scene with the mysterious typewriter, which we talked a little bit about last episode. Uh, Alicia, you have something for this? Oh. Yeah, it's mainly because I think I didn't remember quite remember the typewriter from last episode. Like, I knew it was there, but uh, I think it's more this time I'm like, ooh, I don't. I was remembering the, the cool setup for it and how he has to, like, plug it in. It almost looks like he's plugging it into, like, a phone jack sort of thing. And then how he does the razor, the setup. I just wanted to mm -hmm. talk about how cool and the, the 
typewriter thing was and that what sort of like i don't know if it was actually like full-on technology for them then if that was a thing that they could do for spies or if it's like some cool sci-fi thing that's going on i don't i honestly don't know i think it might be a combination of both because wireless technology is just like starting at this time but I don't well, think it's I wondered as... if it was wired because you, uh, you do see him. I don't know if it's this episode or last episode. You see him plug a cord into it. I thought the uh, razor was like a wireless thing and he was plugging the typewriter thought... into the wireless thing. I thought That's that was a I receiver. Thought. Like an antenna, like, you know, like a TV antenna sort of thing, but just smaller. Yeah, so it's wireless. And my uh, that's what I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't actually remember that at all. The, the, him plugging that in, so I'm not too sure. But uh, I just kept thinking it was like. I mean, basically the, you know, the underpinnings of the internet. Originally, you just plugged it into, you know, like a phone jack or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if it was wireless, then that would be a very different, much cooler thing. But yeah. uh, wireless, I mean, that stuff was around. That was used during World War Two. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um. We also, with the wires, we get like a ghosty typewriter that types itself. Um. Ooh. Who tells? Who tells? The guy I call Mister Agent because unless I really um, I really miss something. I don't think they say his name in the episodes. The guy who's receiving on the typewriter. But he pretty much the typewriter tells Mister Agent stuff he already knows. He's like, um, keep doing what you're doing or else, <laughs> or we'll get you. <laughs> and we get a little brief thing of him searching for Brannis and torture and killing potential buyers and finding out about uh, Gino DeLuccio as a possible buyer who will come up later. And then we get uh, introduced to a new character of Ruth Barton. Ruth Barton is um, Peggy Carter's uh, alias. alias. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And my first thought, because of the name Barton, I thought, Clint is, Barton? Yeah, is she related to Clint Barton? And I looked it up, and no. No, she's not. Aww. <laughs> she's not really, or she does not pop up in Marvel, according to the Marvel wiki. So... So could this Good just point. be the writers wanting to mess with people? Hey, let's let's throw in some Easter eggs, but let's make them fake Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Someday someone will do a podcast about the show and we'll just screw with them. Like, thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Haley Atwell gives a good American accent, which I've been... I, I, this has come up in my personal life more than once of um, Benedict Cumberbatch's American accent I just can't stand. So I'm glad that she can actually do a good one. Yeah, uh, Alicia, do you have anything for uh, this health inspector section? Oh yeah, uh, I just want to say that she comes in there with such confidence and like no, like no give a damn about anything. Like I'm pretty sure she doesn't have a badge for it, but she even says, "You you want to see my badge?" Uh, and he doesn't even respond to that. And then she's like, "Well, are you gonna help me or are you gonna hinder me?" And he goes, "Help you." Like Fine. she does, like has that no nonsense sort of attitude that he's like, I don't, nope, all right, I'm gonna listen to whatever you say because, goodness gracious, if you aren't that person, you sure act very, very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's also just how that works. Um, like as long as you just pretend you need to be there, yeah, everyone pretty much believes you. 
Right. Um, well, it's one of those things in doing shows too. We learn if you f- up, if you f- up with such conviction and don't let it show, no one besides you knows, and the audience will believe whatever the f- just happened. Damn it! I'm going to have to figure out a new bleep noise for Agent Carter. Sorry. <laughs> Three times. I got another one out. <laughs> Sorry. So. So I've yeah, been killing I think zombies past, lately. <laughs> so so I think in the past I've mentioned probably a handful of times, you know, I really like the, you know, spy stuff and that kind of stuff. And so um on Twitter I follow like a, a lot of people who like their job is like as a consultant to break into, you know, they're they're hired by a company to break into their own company, not to another one, but just to like, you know, do do checks and like, you know, figure out like, oh, it would be better if you did you know had these kinds of um you know, i don't know badge scanners or something right basically they, they give a report but so so their job is to break into a place mm-hmm. and so um one of the guys that i that i follow a couple weeks ago he posted um uh, i was gonna live tweet my my next break-in but it happened way too quickly so i couldn't you know do actually live tweet it and tell everyone as he was in the middle of doing it and it happened over the course of like five minutes one day he just walked in he was going to do like a a perimeter check just to see how things were going but Mm -hmm. it was just so easy to get in that he just kind of went in and and did everything so (laughs) (laughs) and and as i pulled out my notebook can you tell me what company this is and where their headquarters are located (laughs) (laughs) it's uh he did not say uh but to be fair it was a it was a building that they were like still building and putting together so like okay like it, there were so many people there, you know, you just walk in, you grab mm-hmm. a hard hat or something and, and you just start walking around. Yeah. Like that's, that's how that works. Um, so in the job that I am, well, no longer have by the time this episode comes out, um, I, I, as a consultant, I would go and, and work with companies and, and a lot of them, you need a badge. And so sometimes they would be like, that's mine. They, they would be pretty strict on, on the rules, you know, to, in order to get past the door, you need to have a badge or, as a visitor, I would have to be escorted around by someone. Mm-hmm. But uh, too often they would say, yeah, we don't really care. Um, if you need to go use the restroom that's on the other side, uh, just knock or something. Someone will let you in. And I always felt awkward knocking, so I would just wait until someone to leave or like go in and just follow them. And in the three years, only one time did someone stop me. Wow. It sounds like yeah. they need a new forehead of security. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. Anyway, so just you know, it's this is one of those things that uh, just just act like you need to be there, and it's perfect, and it's like mm-hmm. no, like people just don't stop you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> our building's a little more anal about our badges. Yeah. Um, as a teacher, we don't even get our badges until like uh, February in a school that goes from September to June. So. <laughs> Thank God for children's security, right? Right. No, it's depressing. <laughs> oh gosh. All right. Yeah. Um, but uh, Ruth Barton, the real health inspector, you know, because it's real. She's um, she finds out that uh, there's a missing truck that belongs to Sheldon McPhee. Which I I don't know. I don't like. I like the name McPhee. I think it's funny. So that's why I wrote it down. All right. <laughs> And then we go to um, back, I guess, to the SSR base or some warehouse that can hold a giant ball that used to be a factory. 
where this is actually what we were trying to figure out at the end of last episode, <laughs> which happened in this episode. Hmm. Yeah, um, they have a truck bring in the giant ball of stuff that used to be the factory before the nitramine gets to it, got to it. Um, which makes me think, shouldn't that be the same weight and density as the entire factory? How the hell did they put that on a truck? Right. Well, they said it was like tons. <laughs> it weighed tons. But yeah, I'm yeah, with you. How did they? Yeah, get it on I don't a think truck? a truck. I don't think a flatbed truck could do that. I don't know how much a flatbed truck can carry, but that looked way too big. Right. And it wasn't even strapped down. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I guess that's assuming it's all there, right? Like a. This could only be what was at the edges, and the stuff like really close to the explosion is is just gone. Like it's evapor er, vaporized, evaporized, whatever. Yeah, evaporized. <laughs> maybe I mean that that's that's all I can think of. Or maybe it's it kind of like what you said in the last episode, Tony. Maybe it's like like a black hole bomb, and it was transported somewhere. It's in another dimension. <laughs> It's um, on Sakaar, the junk planet, right? Oh, yeah, that's probably it. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Tying it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, Dooley thinks that, how did this happen? Well, it could have been magnets, which makes me think of um, in Jumanji when the board started using by itself back in the 50s, they thought, hey, is it magnets? Or later they think it must be microchips. Yeah, and then we go to um back in the base, uh the SSR base, where Peggy finds out that um the photos have been developed, where she tries to uh ninja herself under the um under the desks to get the stuff locked into Susa's um desk. I'm rambling. Al, you want to take over for a second? <laughs> Yeah, so so, so um, first it starts out with earlier, um, and I forget if that was like right now or if that was just earlier in the episode or we skipped over it. But first off, um, Sousa gets the those photos, and he very slowly starts opening them <laughs> and then just puts them back. Like he doesn't even he doesn't want to do like a quick cursory glance or anything. No, he just. He's like, oh, okay, I guess I have to go do this this other thing, um, which I I, I kind of wonder if that's that's more of a historical accuracy because you know it, like nowadays you know I, I know that I'm the type of person that you know any you know everything now I'm curious I want this information and you know it's probably partially of growing up with you know computers just about all of my life and everything right uh, and I kind of wonder if back then they're like yeah it'll be there when when I need to use it later. But uh, anyway, that's a complete random tangent. So, <laughs> so then, uh, then Carter is uh, is pretty cool about just kind of waiting for everyone to leave on. I'm assuming lunch break because we see two other agents eating lunch at their desks. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, waiting to to do that and uh, trying to trying to pick the lock. Um, and I I, I kind of kept going back and forth in my mind of if if they even need a lock, right? I mean, this entire building, or at least the majority of this building, is essentially agents who I assume have some sort of lock picking skill as part of basic training for for their job um but i guess it's set to at least you know feel a little bit better even though they know it's not much it'll it'll take an extra five seconds to to be able to pick the lock well yeah and then the lock does stop peggy from doing it because she doesn't want to get caught 
So it's not a stop someone from breaking in. It's like it'll be obvious if you're breaking in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. It's it's it it adds the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then yeah, so she gets a call at her desk. It doesn't work out. Then Sousa gets a call at his desk, and Carter has to, um, you know, run away really fast, sneak away. She was she was Ninja's really good away. about that too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she went like three desks back, uh, and gets onto her uh, uh, onto her chair with her with her legs up and everything like super fast. That was pretty cool. If this were a different uh, type of movie or TV show, you'd see someone sitting like across from them, just watching Peggy crawl from desk to desk, going. What the hell is she doing? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we move on from there because she un- she does not get the pictures. Um, to uh, Dooley and the other guy who I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Right. Uh, talking to Hugh Jones, the CEO of Rex Roxon, or. The president or whatever his title is i don't think they go into it manager um, of the building something 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 yeah in the comics uh hugh jones is a former president of roxon okay. but turns super villain who gets possessed by a thing called the crown of the serpent and he tries to overthrow the un like you do <laughs> um he's like a captain america and avengers villain he pops up a few times okay. starting in like the 1950s but um, he's played by an actor named Ray Wise, who's been in a lot of things. But for me, he's most known for Twin Peaks, which um, Dr. Sky's dad, uh, the actor Con McLaughlin, starred in that show as well. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so he offers him some scotch. And then a uh, guy points out that it's 1045 a.m., so you must need ice in your scotch for it to be that early. <laughs> um. <laughs> And then uh, Jones blames Stark for the destruction of the refinery because uh, he knows through corporate espionage that Stark has been trying to sabotage him. Um, and now uh, the SSR knows about the nitramine as well because of this, which is like, oh shit, everybody knows about it. Good job, Agent Carter. You're no longer ahead of the game. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, she's still ahead of the game because she's still there first. Yeah, and then she's also got the scanner for Vita radiation, also which she no longer has because they immediately call her to get the scanner for the Vita, radi- Vita radiation. <laughs> yep. Um. Yeah. So they call her in to scan the ladies because it's inappropriate for uh, them to scan women, apparently. Mm-hmm. Even though they volunteered or asked for it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, it's the forties. People are misogynistic. You gotta give it a shot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, she scans herself and realizes, oh, she's fine, except for her watch that she was wearing the previous night has vita rays all over it, which should have been like a big deal. Like she should have known that people would not retain vita rays on their skin, but it doesn't occur to her until she sees uh, Van Ert, the guy she blinded from the previous night there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That perhaps she should check their clothing. Yes, which 
you think to Chief Dooley and um someone help me out. What's the other guy's name? I don't remember. Chad Michael Murray? Yeah. 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 That's <laughs> Chad, Chad Michael Murray. Michael Murray. Agent, Agent Murray. <laughs> Agent Murray. Not his name, but um don't you think they'd be suspicious looking back that the guy who ends up having the radiation, that's what triggered Agent Carter's memory. Should Carter might be in on this in some way or the other. Right? So I was thinking the same thing at that time. And the only thing I can think of is he's she kind of called out that he was like a hazardous worker because he was wearing something different. All the other men that they were scanning were in like a like a tr- a coat like a lab coat kind of thing he was in like a full suit type of thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so all i can think of is that she was basically pointing out like oh wait a minute is he wearing a is he wearing a different suit is because it's you know hazardous waste kind Ah. of thing would that be gone so that's that's that was a little bit different so that that could be kind of a she can get away with it kind of thing Mm -hmm. yeah well as soon as she mentions that banner runs for it <laughs> Which makes it, you know, really obvious that you're probably the guy they're looking for, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and he's also pretty quick too about running, right? Because he's able to evade the other two agents chasing him for quite a while. He makes it what down at least one floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where Peggy also has to just walk downstairs and mm-hmm. like, hit him with the suitcase. Where does that lead? Down there, the stairwell. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, here, can I borrow that? Whack! It's like, oh, <laughs> all right then. Yep, and she easily captures Van Ert, who the guy played by James Urbaniak, who sounded familiar to me. Um, he, if you've ever seen uh, the show with Venture Brothers, he plays Doctor Venture in the Venture Brothers. Mm-hmm. He's also um plays Ebony Ma in the Guardians of the Galaxy cartoon, one of the Black Order. But yeah. Um, Alicia, did we cover everything for your part of the Vita Radiation? Uh, good question. Mm, okay. You guys covered the watch, right? That was all over a watch. Yeah. Just, I just thought it was just like, sorry, Nana, and tossed it in the trash can. Like, obviously, it didn't mean all that much with her for her, and I was like, aww. Well, it... It means something to her. She wore it, but it's not right. worth her life. You'd think, you'd think yeah. she'd stick it somewhere where it, she wasn't going to be scanned for it, and then maybe figure out cleaning it later instead of yeah. tossing it in the trash can. It just makes me think that perhaps she doesn't care so much about it. I mean, yep. it's, a, it's a nice watch. Are you saying Agent Carter doesn't love her grandma? That's mean. That's not what I said. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's true. Uh, but yeah, it, it's not worth her life. But she could have definitely saved it somehow. Mm-hmm. Which would have been a whole episode of the show. So actually, I'm glad we didn't have to cover that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but they've got uh, Van Ert. And they take him into interrogation. Where Chief Dooley pretty much says, We'll give you a plea. Which is his not-so-metaphorical carrot. Mm-hmm. Uh, to give the name of the employer. And the guy refuses, so he gives him the stick. Right. Ah, yeah. where I wrote down his name, Agent Thompson <laughs> uses the stick. What were you going to say, Al? Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, they're they're a little heavy-handed there on the metaphor. 
<laughs> yeah. A little heavy-handed. <laughs> <laughs> Literally brought, brought a stick and a carrot. <laughs> um, yeah, so Agent Thompson goes straight for the police brutality when they're talking about the stick. And starts just put the stick in his mouth and starts punching him. Which is, you know, okay for modern day. But back then, come on, guys. <laughs> and then... um. Later, we skip a little bit. Well, I'll get to it, but um, we see the end of the interrogation that uh, Agent Thompson broke the stick, which means he has to take a break because that stick is definitely not usable again. Right. Gotta get a new <laughs> stick. And I was like, dude, how hard were you biting? Or did he accidentally, did he miss and then punch his stick and it hurt his oh, hand? And that's the only, only reason Thompson oh, <laughs> stopped. reason Thompson stopped. in your mouth? Oh, that would hurt. Yeah. Well, um, Sousa finds out through that, the, um, through a phone call about McPhee, as well as Agent Carter found out about McPhee. Mm-hmm. So now two people know about McPhee, but no one has found McPhee yet. And I will mm-hmm. say McPhee at least 14 more times. McPhee, McPhee, oh. McPhee. <laughs> All right. That was three. I'll keep count. <laughs> okay. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> McPhee. Anytime. Um, but since, uh, Carter knows about McPhee, um, she calls for Jarvis to be her own personal taxicab while, you know, um, kind of rejecting Angie, who's looking for a new neighbor. Right. And then she rejects yeah. Jarvis in like almost the same breath. We're going too late. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> like, he tries to run over and open the door. Too late. Too late. Yeah. I think it's funny because I do the same shit. I don't do it on purpose to my husband, but he likes to come and open doors or I'll just get to the door first and hold it open for him. And he just gives me this look of like, I'm supposed to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, we get the quick car ride with them uh, listening to more of uh, Bridget Carver. Bridget Carver. Ugh. Finding out that um, in a sewing commercial where, and then it gets interrupted. How do they get interrupted, Al? When we're Nazis. Nazis. Again! Again! Again. (laughs) Why the Nazis? Because that's who Captain America fought. I know. (laughs) Technically, he fought mostly Hydra, but... Hydra Hydra is Nazis. People say they aren't. They They totally are. They split off from that. (laughs) But at the time... Yes. They were were pretty aligned with their, their thoughts and ideals. They were pretty much... Oh yeah, One but Alicia's right. They did break apart because Germany's on this map, which, again, I gotta say, Germany's on most maps of Europe. Just saying, guys, mm-hmm. don't be too surprised. <laughs> I think it was more impressed that it was marked on that map. Yeah. Yes, they were going to blow up Germany until Captain America saved the Nazis. Damn it, it didn't go as well as I planned. <laughs> All right. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, any, anyway, I'm, I'm mostly just a little curious, like, you know, we talked about this radio show at the beginning, mm-hmm. like, now I'm curious, like, I, I kind of want more, like, I I don't know, I don't remember if over the, the two seasons, we get a lot of, you know, background with this, but I, I kind of want to know, like, why do the Nazis keep showing up? What's what's the reason? Why do they keep attacking uh, Bridget Carver? Uh, are <laughs> they in the US? Like, or, or are they somewhere else? Like, what, what's going on? Now I'm just curious, because the Nazis... Again? Is she bringing her sewing machine to Germany with her? Right. I'm very confused. It's very Maybe. confusing. I want to know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, 
way. Um, we find out that the uh, mystery agent killed, who I think are gangsters, to find out also about McPhee. So they're all going towards McPhee. Right. And can I just say the one guy he killed at the kitchen table, I totally thought was the guy that Agent Carter had like, uh, like put the fork to his artery in the previous episode. <laughs> that would be a twist. That would that be they a just twist. never bring up that he's also <laughs> right. <laughs> I just was like, wait a minute. <laughs> and I was like, oh, maybe it's probably not him. But I was just like, that would be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, speaking about, as always, McPhee. Um, <laughs> how many times seven, is that all? By the way. Okay. Four, <laughs> You're halfway there. Okay. Um, she ends up uh, fighting with McPhee. Um, she busts in, and he's a big guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, she has a fight with him, and this is one of the more creative fight scenes in the Marvel TV shows, at least. Mm-hmm. That we've seen so far, where it's intercut with the Captain America Adventure Hour, which is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, where like she hits him, and they show him sla- the Foley artists and the thing slapping the ham and whatnot. Which you know, I really liked. I thought it was a really cool fight. Um. Anyway, eventually, uh, McPhee goes down. And uh, Peggy realizes that the Cap America Adventure Hour is still going, and she's like, "Why does this keep happening? <laughs> like, why?" She, which makes sense because this is what the third, fourth time, third at time, least. and this happening at different times of the day. At least when they were in the diner, it's a different time of the day from right now. Does this radio station play nothing? But the Captain America Adventure Hour? Like, just, just keep performing it for 24 hours? Is that why it keeps happening? Maybe. Well, yeah, you're right, because it wouldn't have been a recording at the time, right? No. no. Like, I mean, we see them doing it. Assuming <laughs> that's not, like, for no reason having a flashback. <laughs> I So that actually kind of threw me off. I thought she said, why does this keep happening to the fact that the guy was knocked unconscious? I didn't think it it had to do with the radio show, but that makes sense too. I think it's a radio show because I think she wanted him unconscious, <laughs> at least to tie him up. <laughs> okay, good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then she goes. She ties him to the. Uh, she ties uh McPhee to a chair, just his arms, which is very comes up later. Very important. And then uh, she hears something outside, and it is Leet Brannis, the best character name ever. <laughs> After McPhee. Um, <laughs> 11, by the way. Okay, good. Three more times. But I can't go over. That's going to be the hard part, is I can't go over. So I got to hold Ooh, off. Yeah, be careful then. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, Brannis is trying to uh, Escape start the, the truck. Tra- yeah. Which doesn't start. Because it doesn't start it's just because it's a... Jarvis. <laughs> Jarvis like took something Jarvis. off his car He's and like, this. I, I took this thing. Yeah, which makes me think about last week. Maybe he's good with cars. I'm Maybe go he with was yes. fine. <laughs> fine changing that tire real quick. Yeah, that's a good point. So it was only like a thirty-minute wait instead of an hour and a half. 
Yeah, where they like stood we there awkwardly. Last week. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> I wonder how many times Jarvis has had to do that to maybe like keep Howard from drinking and driving. It's take tire. Oh, sabotage the car. Yeah. Or take sab- tires off, no, which is what my, my mind first went. <laughs> <laughs> like seriously, how many times has he had to render a car incapable of driving to get Howard to not move? Hmm probably more than he'd like to admit it right (laughs) (laughs) yeah um we yeah they easily take care of him uh find out that brannis isn't working for leviathan anymore and that mystery and that's why mystery agent is hunting him the other guy with no vocal cords yeah and then uh Carter sends Jarvis inside to get uh, Mr. McPhee. And they find out that he has escaped. Uh, bum, bum, bum. But, but Jarvis now has a gun, so everything's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Said no one ever. Right. <laughs> yeah. So um, they decide, well, there's nothing we can do about that. And they get into the bomb truck and drive away. I mean, they, they got what they came for, so, you know, at that That's point, true. I guess they're... they're good, right? <laughs> they don't care about the other guy. I'm saving his name <laughs> for later. Uh, <laughs> but um, as they're making uh, Leet uh, drive at gunpoint, um, a mystery agent jumps onto the roof of the bomb truck. Um, <laughs> and this is a judgment call, because I really don't know if we should count this, because he lands in superhero position. Is this a superhero landing? Mm, good question. He's not he, a superhero. I, so I think we, we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. and I think we decided that there needs to be like some oomph, like some force there was some to oomph. the landing. Definitely car made noise. Was there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I guess we didn't decide how much oomph. To yeah, because we gotta say, if Agent, or let's say Black Widow, if Black Widow, I would consider her a superhero. Mm-hmm. I mean, she doesn't have powers, but if she landed like that, I would count that as a superhero landing. She would also probably look cooler than him, too. Oh, no, definitely true, but that's just the benefit of being Black Widow in general. (laughs) Well, didn't she, and I'm trying to remember, didn't she have a a superhero landing in the Avengers movie? Like, when she was, like, fighting those guys at the beginning? And I thought we talked about this, deciding if that was or was not a superhero landing. I think it was. I feel like that's something I would have argued for. So, and I win most arguments. So, no, just kidding on that one. <laughs> if if that one counts, then then yeah, I'd say that this one probably counts also. Yep, I agree. All right, so superhero landing number twenty one. <laughs> which it's been a while since we've had a superhero landing. That's because I was looking at it before. Um. Like, the last movie, Guardians of the Galaxy, had no superhero landings. It wasn't since episode 20 of season one of Agent of the Shield was their last superhero landing, which was hmm. Deathlock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, that's been a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Mystery Agent, after a superhero landing, um, starts firing into the bomb car, which is really <laughs> freaking stupid. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <sighs> um, 
And then Peggy uh, gets up there to fight with him. And he keeps shooting into the bomb car, um, shooting out the uh, seat, the bomb seatbelt with Jarvis goes, for God's sake, will you please stop shooting things? Right? Like, yeah, yeah. that's going to stop him, Jarvis. Good job. Yep. <laughs> well, so, so, so I think it was at this point that I, I was thinking about this episode. It, it kind of feels like there's a lot of uh, cliche stuff that's kind of happening in the show. Like, like right there with Jarvis, he he had just said, um, you know, it's like, oh, be careful about driving or something, or I'll shoot you. And then you know, a gun goes through, and he says, oh, for God's sake, stop shooting. <laughs> and it kind of feels like, like I don't know if I'm noticing it or if I'm looking for it, but it feels like a lot of other things are a bit more on that cliche side. Um, and after you had mentioned last week, Tony, about um, you know, the writers not wanting to have you know Agent Carter do a lot of the the like seduction type of stuff that uh you know because that was cliche uh maybe maybe now i'm just kind of looking for it but it, it really seems like there's a lot in this or mm-hmm. or am i just i don't know do you two think that or, or am i just there are definitely cliche yeah. things um this is definitely more i guess noir which i haven't seen a lot of noir movies but i figure all i know about noir is the cliches so every time I see something that's noirish, uh, it falls into that. Okay. Yeah. But something that is not cliche for noirish things is two normal human beings having an amazing balance while fighting on the top of a car. Apparently, momentum has no effect on them whatsoever. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Peggy and Mystery Agent are fighting up there. There's presumably turns if not ex- for sure acceleration and wind but they're totally fine not a big deal he even drops some keys and they don't even slide off the back of the car <laughs> which is the crazy part but i'm assuming that they've had the, the this isn't their first rodeo i'm sure they've both had plenty of fights in the past on the on the top of a moving vehicle yeah it was probably a train, but, you know, in this case, hey, a car works. <laughs> well, I mean, Peggy was good enough to, you know, kiss Captain America on the top of a moving vehicle. So, I guess oh, she can oh, fight yeah, as well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so during the fight, um, Elite's gun goes, or uh, Mystery Guy's uh, gun goes off and shoots Elite, who's driving. And then right. some of the nitramine drops. And so, it starts to go uh, off. Yep. Uh, also going off, Peggy Carter, who has this terrible, terrible line. This is where I get off, where she jumps and pulls, <laughs> pulls Leet and um, Jarvis off out of the truck before it goes into the, the water. Truck. Yeah, and we get like a giant. Well, we don't know um if it's giant or if it's just five hundred yards worth of explosion. If it was 500 yards, they'd be dead. Well, I mean, we don't know how far away, but it was also kind of blocked it a little bit by the, wasn't five the mountains. <laughs> oh, right, but like how much of it was just blocked by the fact that there was a giant mass of land in the way between them and the the water? That doesn't seem to have mattered in the past. Yeah, it didn't matter. They had with the, the giant building in the yeah, I was gonna say the giant building was in the way of the car, but it still sucked the bumper right off the damn car. Yeah. Right, but it didn't grab the ground. If I if I remember correctly, I it, it, it 
it grabbed the building, but it didn't grab like it didn't make a, a deep a hole in the ground, right? Let me see. Yeah, exactly, a crater. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going off of memory. I don't remember. Oh, it's possible you're right, but I just want to. I want to take yeah. a look at it. Hmm. Yeah. Um. It definitely sucks up all the water. The whole lake is gone in here. Um. Mm-hmm. We know it mostly it doesn't compound. The amount of nitrogen doesn't compound how big the blast radius is because I feel like half of New York would be gone, even at this far away of New York. Um, <laughs> would be gone after that much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, an entire truck full. Like that was as that was pretty much as as much space as they could take up and still have some seats. So yeah, that was that would be yeah exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. Hey, I've got a question. Um, because I don't remember. Did, mm-hmm. Where did uh Leet get shot? I'm thinking it was a shoulder, but I'm not hundred percent sure. I thought it was shoulder, sh- the back of the shoulder through the chest. I think is what it was. Okay, so that might hit a lung or something. Yeah. Because my thinking was, when they jumped out of the car, Jarvis landed on him, and Jarvis killed Brandis, because he squished him. Squish. <laughs> <laughs> but that definitely def- could be it. Yeah. I- <laughs> yeah. If it went, if it like came out his chest, it definitely could have hit some vital organs. But yeah. But, um, yeah, the whole lake is gone, and the mystery agent's dead without ever knowing his name. <laughs> and luckily for them, the car is really close by, so they could just walk to it after seeing um that lead's dead. Yeah, that kind of bothered me because <laughs> it it kind of seemed like they were on the like in that truck, the the dairy truck for uh-huh. a while. And if the car was nearby, then that means that originally Jarvis left, dropped the car, and then walked back. Yeah, very far. And yeah, that doesn't. It just doesn't seem like it adds up. No. I agree. It's very convenient. Or he's saying the car's right over here, and then they end up walking for four hours. That could also <laughs> have happened because we don't see that type of stuff apparently. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he might be the type of person that loves going out for walks. So you know, four hours. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a, that's a fun afternoon for him. Yeah. Uh, after this, we cut to the other other agents, Thompson and Dooley and Souza, and they see something interesting down the road: a guy out running with a chair still tied to him. <laughs> he goes, "Well, that's suspicious." They pull up. It's like, "Can we help you with anything?" And McPhee just, you know, sits down and is just exhausted. Which I love the fact that he just sits down there in the chair that is currently stuck to him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so it's really hard to got tell. It. You might as well use it. Oh, if about the crater? Yeah, it looks like there is because there's definitely a big pile of rubble towards the edge of the thing that you can't see into but it looks like it draw you don't see the the big pile of stuff in that in that spot that it should be uh, so it looks like it probably has dropped down a little but it's mm-hmm. really hard to tell so yeah honestly okay. can't really get a good so okay so it, at a minimum like it it might be that it's a little bit but it's not you know 500 yeah yards it's definitely deep, not a 500 right? yard bomb mm-hmm. as much as they like to proclaim it okay. the damage it does is definitely not 500 yards mm-hmm. well i mean the the yards maybe but like going into ground like into earth that might be like too thick is kind of what well, i'm thinking even if you track because it was able to 
even if you track the explosion running outward from the center of where things were, uh, you can't get 500 yards in 30 seconds. I don't think. But what about a minute and 10 seconds? Yeah, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't want to do the math. Hang on, that's why the, compose, we have Google. Supposing, <laughs> supposing we compress the minute and 10 to 30 seconds. That'd be like generously Peggy running for 20 seconds and then the car driving for 10. I don't think that's true. It's a mile and a half. Oh, 500 yards? Yeah. Whoa, yeah. Unless in the 1946 car, uh-uh. assuming that's like the newest possible car, nope. I don't think you can get up to that speed. Uh-uh. <laughs> so, you can't. Yeah, so. Wait, no, no, it's, it's not. Uh, Wait, wait, the uh, 500 yards is 15... Oh, sorry, no, I did the math wrong. 15,000 feet. Wait, nope, 15... Hang on. No, it's 1,500 feet, right? Yeah, that's... Uh, a mile is 5,280 feet. So okay, 1,500 feet is going to be... It's only like something. <laughs> maybe a third. Hang on. Oh, you're right. So it's we can no longer talk about sports. We no longer talk about flags or math. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're running out of things, guys. It's 0.2 miles, so... Oh, Even, see, that's, I mean, driving, with the driving, they can maybe escape. Maybe. 0.2 miles, yeah, it's not that bad. He was going about 60 or something. But you have to remember that she had shot. to run to the car, and he came into yeah. the into the factory to get out of it in 30 seconds. That ain't happening. I'm not sure. Because the center, of, she's running away from it the instant it drops. So, I I put it in. I'm though I'm not a MythBuster. I would put it under plausible. I wouldn't say it's busted, but I wouldn't say it's confirmed either. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't know where we are. So Souza finds the keys that mystery agent dropped that somehow did not slide off the car until it was creating off. Right. And then we go back to a Stark sex house. Where Jarvis is uh, stitching up Peggy. Uh, Alicia, you had something here? Uh, yeah, I just it was. I just thought it was cute the fact that Jarvis is like, you can't hide from shit forever. You need somebody to rely on, and that Steve mm-hmm. relied on her, which I think really is the breaking point for her to be like, yeah, you're right. Somebody, I do need somebody yeah. to rely on, and I'm relying on him. He's she's already kind of sort of relying on Jarvis, but that the fact that steve had relied on her so much was one of those things i think just totally was like yeah she's she's like oh oh okay which is i think the deciding point in her moving in with into where angie is yeah i um do you see the starting of her character arc here is when he talks about how she can't protect the world and be a part of it at the same time yes um which ties into, I think, a little bit of what Agent Coulson said, where why does he do the things he do is to protect the world, but he's not really part of the world after his death. So I'm wondering if there's like some theme connections there that we'll see later. It's a possibility. It's possible. Um, yeah, I do think that for obvious reasons and some less obvious reasons, Agent Carter and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. have huge connections that we don't see pretty much anywhere else in the universe which is why i don't mind um interrupting agent of the shield with agent carter 
where later down the road I don't want to interrupt, you know, Agents of Shield with Daredevil. We'll do that separate after a season. I think there are much fewer connections there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. After uh, yeah. After Jarvis uh, switches up Peggy, um, she des- Peggy decides that maybe she should connect to more people, and decides to take Angie up on the offer and moves into or tries to move into her building, which she succeeds in, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Yeah. And she uh, she kind of slips up too, right? Because she she mentions. You know, walking in some area, but the you know the cobblestone, mm-hmm. uh, and then very quickly realizes, oh, this woman wants a you know these other types of answers. So then she starts giving those. Right. Yeah. Um. Do either of you know what's wrong with uh south of Twenty Third Street? Because uh, Mrs. Fry does not like it down there. No, I have no idea. I'm sure there actually is a thing, but I have no idea what it is. Yeah, probably. Um. Yeah. They. Um. Yeah. She does say that she gets the apartment. Uh. With the rules of like a 10 p.m. curfew, no drinking, and no men. And I'm sure this will be no problem. Um, the, there's not going, this isn't going to come up at all in the TV show. And then uh, we go back to the SSR, and the men are looking at the photos. Dun, dun, dun! dun, dun, dun. <gasps> and they instantly start talking to Carter about whether or not it's uh, Joe DiMaggio. <laughs> and uh she says she doesn't follow boxing but as we all know joe dimaggio was a baseball player as we all know because we are so good at sports um yeah yeah i'm sure none of us had to to look that up no i just knew off the top of my head he played for the yankees from 1936 to 1942 and then again from, from 1946 to 1951 i just knew that um over my head <laughs> I knew I I this is where it is. I had knew Joe DiMaggio was a baseball player. I I at least recognized the name. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> That's same here. That's as far as I got. But yeah, I had to look up the the fact that he played for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. And then we find out that Susan has a tough break because there's no shot of her face. Dang. Um, Agent Carter's dancing skills definitely hit that way well. And then uh, we leave off with uh, Kaminsky finding a license plate on the um, in the big mound that used to be the Roxxon uh, refinery. Mm-hmm. And also he's listening to uh, the Captain America Adventure Hour yet again. And we find we find out that next time we'll find out about the Nazi secret weapon. And I want to find out what that weapon is. I'm more interested in that than kaminsky at this moment (laughs) (laughs) any theories about what the weapon is (laughs) nope (laughs) the captain nazi (laughs) yeah it's been so so long since i've watched it that i'm like i don't remember much of this but i remember bits and pieces but not the main plot (laughs) of of agent carter yeah it's I like agree. I'm re-watching I, I it watched all it when again. it aired back in 2015. Yeah, that's probably when I this watched is... it because I was so excited. I was like, "Woo, female Same character!" <laughs> and I like Taylor. So I'm, I'm a little curious. <laughs> so I'm a little curious now. Um, if if the the Captain America radio show now actually has a full on storyline in the background, like if you piece it all together, you get something like the like the McBain stuff in The Simpsons. I kind of like knew that was together. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so so now I'm curious. Like at the end of the season, I'm gonna try to keep track. I'm gonna fail at this, so I'm really hoping you know either one of you two actually keeps track better than me. But uh, I'm gonna say it right now. That I'm gonna oh, try. Oh, um, talking about keeping track of stuff, McPhee. I'm done. <laughs> All right. I'm, I was gonna remind you. Okay. <laughs> um. But yeah, are we done? Uh, did, did anyone else have anything? Does anybody have anything else for this episode? Nope. I was trying to see if there was an actual. <laughs> no, nothing for me. Good, because my tongue is apparently falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to see if there's actually a Captain America's radio show. Like they put all the things together for it, but I'm not actually seeing it. Oh. And we can look into that. But uh, otherwise, um, all right, everyone. So this has been uh, episode two of season one of Agents of Carter, Bridge and Tunnel. Uh, Feel free to listen next week when we talk about uh, episode three, Time and Tide. They must be about time travelers and boats. Oh, goodness gracious. Mm-hmm. All right. As always, please remember to follow us on Twitter at MCU underscore rewind. And please give us a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast app, assuming you like this. Otherwise, well, we're out of bombs. So... We'll have to pull out another one of uh, big Howard's big, uh, bad babies. <laughs> bad babies. Bad babies. Bad babies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This was the Marvel Cinematic Rewind for Agents of... Ag- God damn it. Agent Carter, Season 1, <laughs> Episode 2, uh, Bridge and Tunnel, signing off. Have a marvelous day. Atlantic City, you'll be the death of me.